God, as I bring your word today, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, um, speak to our hearts and minister your grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This afternoon, I want to be able to share with you some words. But first of all, from Scripture, but I want to share with you, first of all, some words of a favourite song of mine, and it's called, Who Am I? Some of you might know it by Casting Crowns, but it's a, it's a beautiful song, and uh, it's called, Who Am I? The words go like this, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? Who would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way? For my ever wandering heart. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am like a flower, quickly fading. Here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapour in the wind, still you hear, you hear me, you hear me when I'm calling, you catch me when I'm falling and you tell me who I am, <coughs> I am yours, I am yours. This message of this, the message of this song plainly and powerfully suggests is that no matter how small or insignificant you may feel, the Lord of all the earth not only knows your name, but has made you special and calls you his own. In fact, a long time ago, in a land far away, another great songwriter wrote a similar hymn with the same message. And our brother mentioned his name earlier, David, in the Psalms. When David considered the majesty and the greatness of God, he felt insignificant by comparison. And in Psalm 8, David stands in awe of the majesty of the Lord. And when he realises just how vast and significant God truly is, he's even more amazed that God would take the time to notice him, a mere mortal man. Psalm reads like this, Psalm 8, 1 to 9. O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and, and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe 
and the, Aven and, and the Avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the oceans. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Beautiful psalm. Beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful expression of praise to God. David stands amazed that the God of creation, the great and glorious Yahweh, would pay attention to the frail people of earth. God should focus attention and lavish his, and lavish his love on us. It's proof of our dignity as creatures made in the image of God. You see, we discover our true value and worth only when we make God the reference point, the reference point for our lives. In other words, you matter to God. Amen. You matter to God because... You matter to God. Amen. Apart from knowing God, we have no understanding of who we really are, right? Or, or what role we're supposed to play in this great universe. But through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, David reveals three wonderful truths that declare both an underlying value of humanity and the awesome majesty of God. You see, the first truth is that you, each one of us, is created by God. Amen. David was absolutely memorised by the majesty of God. As a shepherd, David would, would have looked up at night just like you and I do, and be amazed at God's creation, yeah. the beauty, and wondered at it. Have you ever done that? After all, he did not have the knowledge that we do today of the stars, but still he would have been amazed at what was up there. I was told of a story of Sir Isaac Newton, a very famous mathematician and scientist. He strongly believed in God. However, he had, to, he had a very close friend who did not believe in God. And so Isaac um, uh, devised a plan to try and convince his friend that God did exist <coughs> and, and, had, um, and, and had created the universe. 
So one day, what does he do? He goes down to his friend in a carpentry shop. And he asks the owner to make a model of our solar system. True story. Goes down and he, his carpenter makes this beautiful intrinsic, that means very skilled to scale and everything, model <coughs> of the universe. And uh, the model was to be made to scale. It was uh, painted in all the colours that they knew of and designed to resemble as closely as possible the actual solar system. <coughs> After several weeks, Isaac picked up the model, paid for it, and placed it <coughs> in the centre uh, of, of a table in his house. Sometime later, his atheist friend came over for a visit. When the friend arrived, Dr. Isaac Newton's in Dr. Uh, at his house, the model of the solar system straight away caught his eye. And he asked Sir Isaac if he could inspect the model more closely. As the atheist inspected the model, he was impressed by the fine craftsmanship and the beauty of the pieces. After a while, the friend asked Isaac, who had crafted this wonderful model? And Sir Isaac promptly replied that no one had made the model. It just appeared on his table by accident. Confused? Confused, the friend again repeated the question. And yet Newton stubbornly clung to his answer that the model had just appeared out of thin air. Finally, the friend became upset and Isaac explained the purpose of his answer. If he could not convince his friend that this crude replica of the solar system had just happened by accident, how could the friend believe that the real solar system with all its complexity and design, appeared just by time and chance. Folks, my point is, design always demands a designer. Create, that's right, a maker. Creation always requires a creator. You know, when I come to Australia, I, I just love looking around at what there is out there. You that live here, you don't take them in. If you went to New Zealand, you would notice all the different things that you see over there. But when I come to, to your fair land, to your peoples here, there's some beautiful things that I look at. Erin's got a beautiful yellow bush. And as the sun's lighting it up now, at the moment it's getting yellower and yellower and yellower. I was riding a bike the other day and got attacked by a magpie. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, but it's about a your. And I caught a cod down the river the other day, a beautiful cod. But it was only small, I had to put it back. But all this is God's handiwork. 
You see, the Bible says that the heavens are telling the glory of God. They are a marvelous display of His craftsmanship. And the fingerprints of God are everywhere. And David specifically mentions, for example, the moon and the stars. The moon is so important to us. It serves some very important functions. Do the children know here some of those functions, what the moon does? Do you know what it does? Yes? Do you know what the moon does? Hmm? It lights up the night. You're right. It's a light. It's a light. What else does the moon do? It influences the tides. That's right. The gravitational pull on the earth is just right to cause the oceans to circulate. This movement helps the seas to cleanse themselves and absorb oxygen. It was all a fluke. <laughs> the tides are needed for the oceans to support life. And the work of God's fingers are evidenced by our perfect moon. If it were not big, if it were, if, if it were too big, it would cause dangerous tidal waves and earthquakes. If it were too small, the oceans would become stagnant and unable to support life. You know, some months ago I was, I was fly fishing out in Lake Rotorua in New Zealand. And um, every now and then I would look up and just watch the stars. Because I used to just like it be there at noon, at the, uh, when the moon's up there and uh, out there fishing. And uh, you could even see the stars were so clear. And some of them you could see the planets. And even one night I looked up and saw three big lines in a row and I realised that it was the, it was the um, satellites of Starlink over top. You see, the heavens really are telling the glory of God. But God is not only the creator of the universe, he is the creator of you and me. And David said, you have made us a little lower than yourselves. Than yourself. Human beings, you and I, are God's most marvelous creation. That the God of the universe bothered to create you proves just how important you are and how valuable you can become when you live your life for Him. Now hear me. You are no accident. You are not fluke of nature or a byproduct of irresponsible parents. You were handmade by God Himself. God prescribed every single detail of your body. He deliberately chose your race, the colour of your skin, your hair, and every other feature. He custom made you in a way He wants you. 
And as someone said to me once, Simon, when they created you, when God created you, he threw away the mold. <laughs> In fact, Psalm 139, 14 says, when David prays the Lord aloud and he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Folks, you are wonderfully made. But your value and God's majesty don't stop at creation. Because David tells us that you are also cared for by God. Amen. And David expressed his wonder by saying, What are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them. What we know today about the size of the universe makes the earth and its inhabitants even more insignificant than they appeared in David's day. Our knowledge of light years and the, and the reaches of outer space gives us even more reason to ask, what is man that you are mindful of? Yet in his great love, the Lord chose the earth for himself and created us in his image. You see, God is mindful of us and he does <coughs> care for us. And if it were, if, if, and if that's the case, the question lingers. Why did God do all this? Why did he bother to go to all the trouble of creating a universe for us? Listen. Because he is a God of love. The kind of love, this kind of love is difficult to fathom. But it is fundamentally reliable. You are created as a special product, a special object of God's love. God made you so that He could love you. Amen. He created you so that He could love you. Folks, this is so true. And this is a truth to build your life on. In Isaiah, we read in verse 46, 3 to 4, and from the message, it says this, I have been carrying you on my back from the day you were born. And I'll keep on carrying you when you're old. Thank you, Lord. You'll be there. I'll be there. Bearing you when you're old and grey. I've done it, and I will keep on doing it. Carrying you on my back and saving you. You see, God is constantly demonstrating His love for us. Blessing and providing for us. And when in life God's children or those who start to put their trust in God and take paths, God's love and care goes before them. You know, I love this because the Holy Spirit anticipates 
the blessing we will require and puts them in our path. He knows what things we need before we even ask him. It's just like expectant parents who enjoy preparing for a new life to enter our life. Before we came into the world, he made it inhabitable. Before we needed salvation, he made it possible. Amen. Before we needed instruction and guidance, he wrote the Bible. Thank you. Before we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he offers eternal life. And folks, before we enter into eternity, he opens the gate of heaven. Amen. See, God's loving care for mankind is ultimately <coughs> demonstrated by Jesus, who went to the cross. In fact, when the mob came up to him in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, he could have called down 12 legions of angels. That's 72,000 angels to protect him. But he didn't. Jesus chose not to do so. Instead, he chose to endure ridicule, physical and mental torture. He chose the nails. And as our mind catches a glimpse of Calvary, we see the great cost at which our salvation came. And we see the vast love of God manifested on an old rugged cross. We just celebrated this meal. And it is a meal that directs us to remember. Amen. To remember all that God had done for us. And Jesus had done for us. And in as insignificant as humanity may seem in relation to the whole of the created universe, it was still for mankind that Jesus went to the cross. And Jesus didn't die to save the rainforest. He didn't die to save the humpback whale. He didn't die to protect even the New Zealand kiwi. <laughs> The God of the universe has but one son. And that son died to save you and me. Amen. Thank and you if Lord. that does not tell us how much you are worth to God, then I suggest nothing ever will. Yet there is still more one marvellous truth revealed here concerning God's majesty and man's dignity. Finally, in the psalm, in this psalm, David tells us that we are crowned by God. Thank you, Lord. David announced, you have crowned him with glory and honour. You have made him rule what your hands created. You have put everything under his control. All the sheep and cattle, 
the wild animals, the birds, the fish, whatever swims in the currents of the seas. And this part of David's psalm is unique and interesting. And I think because it has a dual, it has a dual meaning to it. And a lot of Hebrew poetry had dual meanings, actually. So on one level, David is referring to all the way back to Genesis in the creation. When God crowned Adam and Eve, and by extension, all of humanity, placing them all over all of creation. And in Genesis 1.26 God said, let us make human beings in our image, making them reflecting our, our, our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish and of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. You see, God gave human beings a level of power and authority that, that, that he chose not to give to anything else in all creation. He's given us authority and responsibility for the world that we live in. Our environment and all of the creatures, large and small, with which we share our world. It has been said before, it's been said before, with great, great power comes responsibility. And I was checking up, I wonder where that comes from. And so I looked where that saying comes from. And there was a Lord Melbourne, he said it. Winston Churchill said it. Teddy Roosevelt said it, or similar words to it. Franklin D. Roosevelt made similar statements in latter years, and I'm sure many of our politicians have. And in fact, even Spider-Man said it. <laughs> An influential cartoon, as we know, back in 1962. But as Christians, we have a responsibility to take care of the earth and everything in it. And as I conclude this psalm, uh, this, as I conclude, this psalm is a messianic in nature. In other words, David is not only speaking about God's authority over creation in general, but specifically about the Son of Man's authority all over the earth. And the answer, sorry, the author of Hebrews tells us that even though God gave us dominion and authority over the earth because of the, sorry, the author of Hebrews tells us that even though God gave us dominion and authority over the earth, because of the fall we don't see people being responsible and actually ruling over the earth as God intended. What we do see is Jesus, who was given a position, a little lower than the angels, because he suffered death for us. He is now crowned with glory and honour. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. And this psalm not only looks back at today's creation,
but forward <coughs> to the coming of Christ. Amen. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, and Jesus has been crowned with glory and honour. And Jesus has everything under his control. <coughs> and it is Jesus that we truly discover who we are and what's, and what's our worth. In Christ we, rec we recover majesty in him. Uh, we become the people that God wants us to be. And so as David sat back with his quill in his hand and parchment in the other to reflect on God's glory and majesty, he struggled with many deep questions that we still face today. Who am I? That what is man that you should take thought of him? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name. Folks, whenever you feel worthless, the words of this psalm should encourage us. We and all other human beings are valuable because God himself created us in his own image. He cares for us with unrelenting love and crowns us with glory and honour. This afternoon, if you feel insignificant, if you feel like you are not in the right place, then I encourage you, I encourage you first of all, if you want to come and pray with one of the leaders here, or myself, you could do that. But God is a God of love. Amen. He cares for you. <clears throat> the Lord of all the earth knows your name. He feels your hurt. The brighter morning star wants to light the way for you and your wandering heart. He hears <coughs> you when you call and catches you when you fall. He alone can tell you who you are. At the end of the service, I printed off these little things. Just take one home after, if you want. But um, I found it very useful. And it is that the message in from, from Isaiah 46. You remember when I shared it? I've been carrying you on my back from the day that you were born. And I'll keep on carrying you when you're old. I'll be there bearing you when you're old and grey. I've done it and will keep on doing it. Carrying you on my back. Saving you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.